How are we? This is the Serenity Sister Show and you're here today with Saffron and you can access my podcast at any time at serenitysister.co.uk and they're all free for you to access covering a wide range of topics. But firstly, today's topic is really the second part of the last show, which is attracting a more positive life. Of course, there are things that you will have heard before and you know deep down have um, been ingested before and maybe you've not taken action or for various reasons you've felt that you've had struggles and you've been held back. But it's a good time to have a reminder because this is a great reset. The globe is going through a process at the moment. I believe it starts within to form a huge collective change. And being more positive is part of that development. So today we're going to be exploring various factors which can contribute to living a more positive life. And if you want to catch up, the first part is on my website, serenitysister.co.uk. Who knows how long the series will be, but I've been quite known to be a bit of a Billy Conley with my tangents. And I've never been great at summing things up in the one sentence or paragraph. So I tend to go off on a little bit of a a journey with the listener and I'm hoping that's not a problem and you will tune in to the full show. We're going to start off with talking about your environment and what you can do to really attract a more positive frequency into your life and how that can really uplift your mood and bring a sense of calm. Um, It's really thinking about your own home environment, your work environment, environments that you are often spending time in, such as your car even. And although when you start to look into higher consciousness, you do learn that materialism is not a great way to go. This is not so much depending on materials to enhance your environment. This is not needing to be materialistic changes that you make. Things can be done quite cheaply for free or by careful consideration and your time and your energy spent on shifting things around in these environments. So the one thing that I would say is declutter. When you declutter, the physical action actually begins to unload your mind. Without realising, our subconscious actually has a constant invisible tie to our belongings and what we're responsible for or deemed responsible for in our life. And that would probably explain that when you go backpacking or you go traveling with very little on you, but the clothes on your back and your small or large backpack or massive suitcase, you feel a huge sense of freedom. Sometimes this can surprise people as they've never expected to have that feeling of liberation. And a lot of them felt that maybe they needed their home comforts and they needed lots of things at hand in order to feel good. But it does have a change with your mindset. As I said, there is a subconscious which is always processing and tying, linking to things in the background. And when we tie a physical action up to certain brain patterns, we can correct them. And when we begin to declutter our home environments, we begin to feel our 
mind a little less cluttered or at least it's getting away from that whole concept of you can't see the wood through the trees. It gives you that feeling of contentment, of accomplishment and of less crowd around you in order to look at things with clarity. I would probably say that the weight of less responsibility is a positive thing and we could all use a little bit of this in our lives. I would recommend checking out The Minimalists if you need any inspiration. You can find stuff online, on YouTube, on Instagram. I actually watched a documentary that they made a few years back, so that might still be available on Netflix, The Minimalists. Of course, they have gone quite to some extent with leading a minimalistic life. You don't need to go necessarily the full hog, but many of us could use some of the inspiration in our lives. And instead of doing regular spring cleans, you could also commit to buying less. You could start to reuse, refurbish or invest even in a wardrobe or homeware that you know is more versatile and it's timeless and it can be mixed and matched to suit various needs, various occasions. Um, and you know that you're not going to feel the need to buy new stuff on a regular basis in order to feel refreshed, in order to feel happy and content with what you've got. And that's something that I set myself to do fairly recently. I had to sort of correct my own thoughts, I guess, that I was being selfish, I was being greedy, that I was replacing my wardrobe with things that I actually loved and valued. But my intention was that in doing so and having things that is more intermixable, things that I could wear in winter that could be layered, dresses that can be worn with chunky cardigans and tights and in summer they can be used bare-legged. So it's really just finding ways in which you're going to reduce your regular indulgement and your regular need to build up a clutter. The next thing I was going to mention was also about having more plants and improving the air, decreasing the pollution, I guess, in your house. One of these ways of doing so would be obviously recycling the air on a regular basis. And I think doing that in the morning is a great thing, especially in your room that you've been sleeping in just opening up the windows and allowing some fresh air to get in and the old stagnant air, all of the breath that you've been exhaling through the night can leave as well. And if you are more conscious of the air quality not being too great in your home, maybe you are in an area where there's more traffic, you feel that opening up your window doesn't necessarily mean fresh air getting in. If you invest in more plants, that are great filters of air. You can look this up online, but there are many that do a real good job. And I have started a little bit of a collection and I'm already feeling that the air feels quite different. You could also think about investing in an aroma diffuser, which you can put safe essential oils in there, of course, unless you're qualified in aromatherapy. Just be careful with pets. Some oils can be toxic. Um, at a certain ratio. Um, you can use oils to be 
vaporized into your room space, into your home space, and this can purify the air or also provide stimulating effects on your body if you need to be uplifted, if you need to be relaxed, if you need to feel a bit sleepy, actually gives you multiple positives in having one within your home. As well as that, think about the colours that you use in your home because that can really be a shifting point when you are feeling that you're struggling with certain thoughts or you've had a particularly difficult day. When you come into your space, you want the colour to enhance a sense of calm or a sense of energy or a sense of comfort. Whatever it is you feel you need in particular rooms, you can look into colour therapy and find the ways to enhance your mood. I used to be such a dark kind of decor gal. Um, I liked my blacks with reds, um, dark purples, which is all great. There's always a place for every colour that you can think of. When I changed this concept, it was really prompted by living in a rental where I didn't have much say in the decor and I immediately felt there was something different about the energy in that particular apartment that I lived in. And it was purely because they had used light furnishings, light walls with little bursts of an energising orange, which sounds quite dodgy, I know, but it just worked so well. And I felt every time I had to struggle to get up in the morning, I had been going through health problems, I felt horrific. I knew that if I could just shuffle through to that lounge, I would already start feeling that weight lifting and feeling energy starting to be soaked in through my cells a little. So it can really make a big difference the colours that you use at home, even if you think that you're more of a person that likes a gothic approach or likes a more rocky nightclub, you know, the darker the better. Think about maybe experimenting and seeing how you do with a different colour that you never thought would appeal to you. And I'm now going to go back to your routine. I did discuss this in the first part of the series. If you want to tune into part one, that's available online. Your routine is important, especially your morning routine, and your brain is at its most vulnerable when you wake up. That is why you have to be particularly careful about what you expose your mind to in those first few minutes before you've prepared your body and your mind for the day ahead. Hence why I discussed um, the use of phones and projecting things, images, energies coming from a device from other people and from the device frequencies itself. It is best to get into a routine where you prepare yourself um, for the day ahead and you feel that you're quite ready, you're in good mindset, you've shielded yourself and you're ready to take with intent a little bit of those projections and set boundaries as well. And when I talk about shielding yourself, what I'm meaning is that many of us forget about the power of energy of those around us and the emotions in which we can default to absorbing. And if you are quite an empath, you will have learned you're very sensitive to energies, you're very sensitive to other people's emotions and them offloading can drain you. And if you're caught off guard with 
confrontational or aggressive energy or energy energy that you feel is quite manipulative it can have more of a deeper impact than what it should i think it's good to start off with just setting your perspective for the day and shielding yourself shielding can start with first of all having deep breaths when you wake up all with the intention of calming or stimulating the vagus nerve which will be key to controlling any anxiety or any worries and it's a real calming stimulant on the body and its ability to cope with any stress. Taking in maybe up to 20-30 deep breaths in through your diaphragm and obviously inhaling through the nose and all the while you visualise that your cells are releasing any residue from the day before or from the night in which your body had been processing thoughts, processing toxins and allow your body to release it and speak to each an individual muscle group. Do a bit of a body scan and ask yourself where are you holding tension and as you have the little laser scan go from the top of your head down your body to your toes you'll start to realise there are certain muscle groups that we habitually have been holding more tense and maybe our worry and our anxiety stimulates those muscles and I know with myself when I feel that I need to concentrate I would often clench my jaw when I was feeling that I had to find a solution to something or I had a particular worry. I would be holding my tummy a lot tighter than it needs to be. And it's quite easy for you to just stop in the morning and do this before you go about your day. Your breath work, your muscle work, but most importantly is putting on your shield. And that can be something like a protective bubble It could be that you're visualising actually putting on some armour and it's not done in a way where you feel like others are are bad, are negative, are evil because it's a very balanced world that we live in. We can't all have happiness, laughter and positivity. We live in a balanced world of pleasure and pain so it's learning how we can deal with with any kind of scenario without feeling incredibly responsive to it. Tell yourself that that protective bubble or that protective armour acts as a repellent device so that whoever you are around in that day, whatever is directed seemingly at you or to the airspace that you observe but you don't absorb, even if it's directed at you, that it bounces off of your invisible bubble. I'm sure there's a lot of people that's thinking that's a bit mad rolling their eyes, but I can tell you there has been situations in my life where that has really made me very courageous to the point where it's enabled me to step into a situation to catch someone by surprise that was usually very confrontational and with that new feeling of power and positive approach, they were taken off guard, they sensed a different energy and they changed and adapted to my energy. In the previous radio show I discussed energy and how important it is and the frequency you give out and the real law of attraction. You can go back on that if you so feel. Again, it's about feeling how you're going to contribute to the energy of the environment that you are going into and not necessarily 
allowing your brain to default to adjusting to the energy of that room, realizing that we're all equal no matter what our status is, no matter what our age is, financial status, our experience, our profession. Everyone is entitled to their own energetic space and you don't have to always adapt because you are stepping into an environment. Being in someone else's territory does not mean that you're obliged to take on the energy. And if others start to feel uncomfortable with the fact that you're unaffected with different emotions that's going on around you, then usually that is the fact that they have to do a little bit of work themselves and they're questioning why perhaps you are seemingly uninterested or why you are maybe not responding as you used to. And let's face it, when we go through changes within ourselves and we go through self-development, people around us start to notice and it's not always welcomed because it kind of changes the dynamics. They start to feel uncomfortable. For one, they perhaps relied on you for different frequencies, for assistance, for attention, for advice giving or for reactions. And you've changed all of that and they're feeling out of their depth and they can't quite pinpoint that because they're perhaps not questioning themselves. But that discomfort is something that they have to adapt to and process. So hang on in there if you're undergoing any changes and the whole pandemic has propelled you into action and you've been really focused on making good changes within your life, please do not be disheartened by the reactions or the apparent unenthusiasm of those around you because us humans are very adaptive and before you know it they'll start to see the changes and the opportunities that have opened up within your life and they'll see it not just in your energy but they'll see it in the radiance of your skin they'll see it in who's drawn to you they'll see that your luck has started to change and perhaps it's not all just a game of luck and what card you've been dealt, it can be the fact that you have decided to commit to a better, more productive, more focused and more positive life. And wouldn't it be great to be more unobtainable? To be honest, I think a lot of us should be kinder to ourselves and start to rewrite the expectations that we have falsely placed on ourselves. And don't be so responsive start to slow down our lives a little bit more, place some healthy boundaries. So I'm giving you some realistic information, um, some thought sharing and a collaboration really of many different theories from many different cultures, ancient practices, modern lifestyle um, and I guess philosophy in a way. I think the power of suggestion on a constant basis from media, um, from conversations, and from online sources gives you that feeling that perhaps you should be assessing things and looking at your lack or not trying to find the positive in the situation. I certainly don't want to be getting accused of having any form of toxic positivity, but it's more about realising that the power is within us to use our experiences no matter how hard to find the lesson and to be able to look within and look at the ways in which we can productively move forward. I just wanted to touch on the fact of distraction methods as well. 
So there are many things going out on a daily basis from various sources which you would probably say is important and people need to tune in, we need to listen, we need to act. But in many ways, I feel there's a lot of propaganda that has been designed to distract. Even those who feel that they have become a lot more conscious of things that are imbalanced in the world and the corruption and the negative influences and the things that they would like to change, they might have felt that they have evolved as a person and they've been given a lot of consideration into spirituality and self-development but a lot of them have also fell victim to this. When it comes to exploring a higher state of consciousness, there are various stages that you go through. And when you first awaken and you start to notice patterns in your life and you become less asleep to some of the controlling aspects of our world and some of the ways in which we've been indoctrinated, one of the early stages of this is feeling that you need to announce it to the world and you are driven with your frustration, with your anger and you feel it's important that we all unite and you have this rage together um, and we upsurge to defeat this and we fight and it's a, a great kind of feeling of, I guess, aggressive approach to trying to find solutions. Um, and a lot of people, I've got to say myself, once they have developed a bit further or life experience has been thrown in there, you find that you can look back and you feel quite ashamed and you cringe a little bit about the way that you used to project this. I know that certainly I was one to feel the need to constantly talk and rant about all of the bad things and point the fingers and it was all very much they, they, they and talks about the elite, talks about selfishness, talks about others um, and the imbalances, but the energy was just not quite right. And once you evolve past that, um, you realise that confidence is silent and insecurity is loud. I think you have to look at the root of people's professions and professions in the media are designed to entertain or stimulate responses and they don't necessarily be held accountable for what that might incur in the masses and what I mean is that the after effects can have a ripple effect and I think it's so important at the moment to not be lured into that game of talking continuously about the badness. Of course it is important that we acknowledge the things in the world that we need to address but if we do this to a certain level we're not reflecting on ourselves and how we actually contribute to the bigger machine and those that may feel that they are not in the same league of what they would class as evil or corrupt there are so many little things that we do in our everyday life that make us contribute. We are unaware perhaps of the fact that we are buying in to certain philosophies. Of course discussing negative things can be productive but it can only be productive if the action is treating the root cause. Healing the globe is really going to be about love because if we are trying to have an uprising with aggression and finding justice I don't think that that really stems the production 
of these types of people or these themes that are overtaking our world. And the only way to really treat the root cause is to look at the sickness in society that causes imbalance. And I guess what I'm saying is that if we just keep igniting the spark of let's unite to talk about how much we hate this, but not really moving forward with treating the source and expanding our communities and providing positive input to those around us, thinking of ideas that we can do to come together to try and stimulate change, then all we're really doing is adding more to a negative frequency in the world. Negative against negative really doesn't change much. And I would like to think that over the centuries that humans are starting to learn that, yeah, aggression, protests, uprisings and justice can bring about some small changes, but it's not really changed things dramatically. Starting to question some of the things that we have deemed as normal um, and we've accepted as reality. And I think the best person to sum this up and put things into a different perspective is Sadhguru. And I've got to say, hang on in there because this guy just goes on a roll. It's sentence after sentence of having this gift of just dropping so many pennies that you start to realise that everything we've created is conditioned and delusional and we can reset our life at any given time. We can reset our perspective and I find that he's really helpful to gain clarity on a situation. What is yoga? The word yoga means union. Union of not just body and mind, union of everything. Today modern science is telling you the whole existence is just one energy manifesting itself in millions of ways. The religions of the world have been screaming for a long time that God is everywhere. Whether you say everything is one energy or you say God is everywhere or you're talking about the same reality or a different reality, different ways of expression, we are saying the same thing. Now, it is just that a scientist does not experience this, he has mathematically deduced it. A religious person does not experience this, he believes it because it's said by somebody that he values. A yogi is a hard nut, he wants to know it by his own experience. How is it possible for one to know that he is one with everything or everything is one with him? Let me try to put it as simply as possible. There's a glass of water here. I'm sure this is not you, isn't it? This is not you. But if you drink it, it becomes you, isn't it? Seventy-two percent of your body is water. What is not you becomes you how? What is it that defines what is you and what is not you? We'll just do a simple experiment right now. Take your right hand and touch your left hand, please. Is that you? You must confirm to me, please. Is that you? Yes. Touch the chair on which you're sitting. Is that you? How do you know this? What is the basis? What is the basis of your experience which tells you this is me and this is not me? Sensation, isn't it? Here there is sensation or in other words what you're saying is whatever is within the boundaries of my sensation is me. 
Whatever is outside the boundaries of my sensation is not. Right now this is not within the boundaries of your sensation. What is called as drinking is you are including it into the boundaries of your sensation. The very body that you carry, whatever number of kilograms you carry, it's just a piece of the planet, isn't it? Hmm? Yes or no? You must get it now. If you don't get it now, one day you will get it from the maggots and it's a bit late. <laughs> if you get it now, you can transform your life. What you carry as your body is just a piece of this earth. Countless number of people who walked this planet before you and me, they were also smart people. Where are they? They're all topsoil. This will also become topsoil unless your friends choose to bury you real deep. No, because some people fear you may raise from the dead, you know. Doesn't matter what you think about yourself, doesn't matter where you think you are going, where all you have been, as far as your physical body is concerned, it is going straight to the grave without hesitation. Not one moment is it faltering, going straight there because this is a material that you picked up. The only way you made it yours is by including it into the boundaries of your sensation. It is a known fact that if you experience a very exuberant moment in your life, let's say you're very joyful, a very loving, to a point where tears came to you, happened to you? You're so joyful, tears came to you. At such a time, if you just place your hands just six, eight inches away from yourself, right here you'll feel sensations. If no such wonderful thing happened to you, we'll have to do something horrible. We'll cut your leg right now. If you take off your right leg, the physical leg will be gone, but still the sensory leg may stay intact for some time. You heard of this? It's called the phantom leg. If you suddenly take off the leg, all the sensations of the leg will still remain for a period of time. Sometimes for days on end, it stays. Or in other words, the sensory body has a presence of its own. If you make the life within you very exuberant, full-fledged life, if you become, sensory body will expand. If you sit here and if your sensory body became as large as this hall, if you sit here, you, if you could experience all these people just as you experience the five fingers of your hand, not psychologically thinking or emotionally feeling we are all one, but actually if you experience them as yourself. After that, do I have to teach you morals? Do I have to tell you don't harm this person, don't kill this person, don't rob this person? Do you need morality like this? So if you sit here and make your life energy so intensely vibrant, that your sensory body became as large as the universe, then we say you are in yoga because everything you experienced as myself. Even if you did not stay in that experience, even for a moment if you experience this, the fundamental way in which you perceive and experience life is altered. This is the basic aspect of yoga that to extend, to make this life energy so intense that your sensory body the area becomes so large that if you sit here, in your experience everything is you. There is nothing else but you. Only if you are here, no trouble, isn't it? You and the other is trouble. <laughs> now there are various other aspects to it. There is health, there is happiness, there is peacefulness, all these things. 
These things can be addressed in so many different ways. One simple way of putting it is, suppose you lose your peace today, what will happen? First dose of your lack of peace, the family will get it. So one or two people at home, they will get the first dose. You went and yelled at your family. Tomorrow it continued, you, you'll pick a quarrel with your neighbor. If it continues, you start yelling at somebody on the street. If it continues tomorrow, you go and shout at your boss. The moment you shout at your boss, everybody understands that you need medical help. So if they take you to your doctor, initially the doctors try to talk you out of it. Doesn't usually work. So the next thing is they throw a pill into you. A pill means what? Certain number of chemicals. If you take these chemicals in, suddenly you become peaceful. Maybe not forever, at least for that period of time it works. Or in other words, what you call as peace is a certain kind of chemistry. What you call as joy is another kind of chemistry. What you call as ecstasy is one kind of chemistry. Agony is another kind of chemistry. Misery is another kind of chemistry. Anxiety is another kind of chemistry. Stress, whatever you call it, pleasantness or unpleasantness that happens within you, every human experience has a chemical basis to it. Or in other words, this is a chemical soup. Are you a great soup or a lousy soup? That's a question. If I give the same ingredients to ten different people here and ask them to make soup, they will turn up ten different kinds of soups, isn't it? Same ingredients. All of us same ingredient. Just see how different each person has made himself. Now the entire science of making this into a pleasant soup, this is one important dimension of yoga, but it's not the goal of yoga. If your body becomes pleasant, we call this health. If it becomes very pleasant, we call it pleasure. If your mind becomes pleasant, we call this peace. If it becomes very pleasant, we call it joy. If your emotions become pleasant, we call this love. If it becomes very pleasant, we call it compassion. If your very life energies become pleasant, we call this blissfulness. If it becomes very pleasant, we call it ecstasy. If your surroundings become pleasant, we call this success. Only to create your surroundings in a pleasant manner, you need the cooperation of many forces around you. But to make your body pleasant, mind pleasant, emotion pleasant, energy pleasant, you need the cooperation of just one person. That's you. External pleasantness, you need the cooperation of many, many forces. Not always is it possible. But internally, only if you are willing, it's very much possible. So the science of yoga looked at various possibilities, how to make this entire system pleasant. To be pleasant, to be joyful or to be even ecstatic is not a goal by itself. It is a fundamental ambience that is needed if you want to explore the full depth and dimension of your life. If you want to enjoy your dinner tonight, at least you must be peaceful and happy, isn't it? Whether you want to enjoy your work or your family or the people around you or the spring around you, you must at least be peaceful and happy. So to be peaceful and happy is not the ultimate goal of your life. It is the most fundamental requirement of your life. If you become like this, that you're pleasant by your own nature, not because of something that's happening around you, 
Your pleasantness is created by you and it stays that way within you. This means you have no fear of suffering. Only when there is no fear of suffering will you dare to explore life in its full depth and dimension. Otherwise always what will happen to me is always the big question. It's a crippled life. As long as fear of suffering exists within you, you will never dare to take full steps. Your life will not be full stride, it will be always a half a step. So to set this, you have to create a chemistry of blissfulness. Whatever, this is the way I am. If this assurance is there, you can jump into anything and do whatever. Or in other words, you are never an issue. You have made yourself in such a way that you are not an issue. Outside there are many issues. We'll deal with it to the extent we can, uh, to the extent the situation allows us, but you are never an issue. At least this much everybody should do to themselves, isn't it? I don't know if you will become the richest man in the world or not. I don't know whether you will climb Mount Everest or not. I don't know whether you will run faster than Mr. Bolt or not. These things will need many things. But at least your experience on this planet should be pleasant. This is something fundamental. This is something every human being needs and deserves. At least this much happen, this much must happen. At least this level of yoga we want the entire world to do. Yes, at least this level of yoga. They become peaceful and happy by their own nature. Whether they get realized, whether they will become yogis, whether they will experience the whole cosmos, that's left to them. You're listening to Sunny G Radio, your guilty pleasure. pleasure. And that was a piece of the speech by Sadhguru and his recording from four years ago, which is on YouTube, available under the title, The Whole Existence is Just One Energy. So I guess what we should focus on is our oneness to everything. Nobody's hands are clean. And unless we've lived in such a way that where we've been entirely conscious of what we buy, what we support, whether intentionally or unintentionally, what our emotions can stimulate in others and what our greed might have affected, our jealousy, our self-importance, our inability to forgive, our ability to gossip, to hate, to judge. The list can go on and on, but it's more about focusing on speaking more with purpose. Don't fight for the sake of fighting. Don't hate for the sake of hating. Acknowledgement doesn't need to be hand in hand with hatred. Be the change that you want to see. Inspire change with your own demonstration. Inspire hope and a step closer to what's peaceful by acting in a way that contributes more peacefully and more positively. Not opposing, but finding solutions. Not ranting, but being comfortable with silence. Quiet background productivity. The ego can easily take over and in many cases, if we're looking into situations from a higher perspective, we'd really just see a Sims-type world, or that game, if you are old enough to remember, Lemmings, where we have this kind of situation. We're looking down on all of these little people that are just yakking away, emitting angry or low negative frequencies. And if you're looking down on that, all of these people demanding to be heard, wanting to rage, wanting to point, wanting to say what's wrong, but you're not seeing much else. 
you're just seeing lots of little mouths all simultaneously yakking. <laughs> Looking down on this, do you see that as productive or can you see the distraction? So with this in mind, committing yourself to peace and positive contribution, especially to your community, is a great step towards a more positive life. It's not being ignorant or uncaring or selfish towards those things that we know need some care and need some attention in our world. It is having intent and feeding what you want to grow. Having the intent to make good changes by using your time and energy more effectively and more efficiently without causing more hatred, more bitterness. Being conscious of the ego when it says, get your tuppence worth in. Being conscious of things that are going to divide us. Going to encourage hate of a certain type. Female against male, male against female, skin colour against skin colour. We all know the things that need changing, but crying out that this needs to stop without acknowledging the root of where things stem from. The parents that wounded their children. How can we heal parents? The children that are going forth in the world. How can we teach them to look beyond psychology that's projected at them on a daily basis? To steer away from fake themes? to break family cycles, to be conscious of the industries that they help to survive, to be the demand that helps the industries supply. How can we be kinder unless we gain perspective, heal our wounds, reparent ourselves and focus on kindness, even when life has been a struggle and feels unfair from an early age? And as the shamans predicted the time of seven heavens and the dawn of a new earth, they knew that this period that we're in would be a difficult test for humanity. The current pandemic is part of the test. Yet, would this pandemic be such a challenging thing if we weren't already so unhealthy? Unhealthy and diseased from the toxic water that we drink, the junk foods that we eat, the negative relationships we hold, and the level of stress that we're exposed to every day. And today in the West, we know 14,000 different diseases and probably we know the same number of cures. The shamans see only separation from nature and our mother. They don't see disease as we see it. They speak about only one cure, reconnection. Reconnection to how we relate to ourselves, to our bodies, to our pain, and to our journey on this earth. I invite you to make the best out of this situation and embrace the opportunities that are here right now. Don't sit around and wait for a vaccine. Don't sit around and wait for a miracle. Take this as an opportunity to make yourself disease-proof. The path to great health starts with detoxing your body, your brain, your emotions and your energy field. And today more than ever, we need the right tools to create the health that is required to master the next step of human evolution. These are not tools for measuring, and quantifying like hammers, rules, rulers, microscopes and pliers, the most important tools of the shaman are energetic. And despite not having a physical form that you can hold in your hands or see with your eyes, these tools are extremely sharp and effective. In fact, they have been sharpened by the ancient shamans over more than 5,000 years. And that was taken from a recent newsletter received by the Four Winds Society to my inbox recently and it just sets the tone really about 
how you can also be giving your body, your mind and your soul the perfect environment in which positivity can thrive. And we are becoming more, very slowly, creeping into the mainstream with the importance of what we actually put within our physical bodies on a daily basis. And it's with this in mind that these are the times where we can get to reset our systems and enable our immune systems to be as optimum as possible. It's looking at the things that we ingest on a daily basis that we might not have tied up to the way in which we manage our hormones and manage our emotions. When you have a body that is in a good state of homeostasis, that is in perfect balance, you have a higher tolerance and more ability to deal with emotions, to deal with fatigue, to deal with energies that are being projected at you and decision making. It also means that you are cutting out the probability that many of the things that you rely on could be causing emotions or symptoms which mimic the feelings of anxiety. Knowing this through personal experience of treating clients, particularly young generations who have felt that they were more anxious or worried or in a state of adrenal mode, it really tied back to not just their thought process, but the energy drinks and the coffee that they were surviving on and trying to push through and beyond their body telling them that they are tired and overactivating their adrenal response by pushing themselves, going to the gym and constantly being in a state of high achievement. This is a perfect time to not just rely on a vaccine, but to look at the long-term solution. Make yourself much less vulnerable. When you project a more radiant and a more healthy demeanour, you will not only be protecting yourself, but you will be more inspirational to your family, to your friends, to your work colleagues, to people that you may randomly meet. People can sense on an energetic level someone who has taken great care in their own self-care, someone who is determined to be as well-rounded as possible, to heal from their emotional wounds, to heal from their physical toxic wounds and to create a good level of balance within the endocrine system and the body. This all very much shows in your energy when someone is grounded and someone is at peace with themselves and a lot more able to be unaffected by any troublesome energies around them and be able to think with clarity in order to react in a productive and helpful way. So make this the time, people, for a good change. I know that it's not comfortable and I know in many times in my life previously that I kind of clung on to convenient excuses. I also felt that finance was a problem and I was led to believe that in order to do so and make these positive changes, I wasn't able to really move forward. My thoughts were very limiting and I was been more and more stuck in victim mode with feeling that I had no control and I was victim to the circumstances that I I had found myself in. But in changing the mindset and changing the things that I could at those particular points in time, it began to have a ripple effect and eventually more opportunities came my way. 
It's also something to get the fine balance of sharing your woes with people, to get support when needed, you know, a problem shared and all that, but also starting to talk about your hopes, your intentions, your goals, what you would like to see from life. And I say this because it's something that I noticed many years ago when I felt the need to explain myself. I felt that my suffering wasn't maybe being fully acknowledged and before I knew it, things were being repeated on a daily basis. The same story regurgitated, explaining my struggles with my health, with my personal life, with things that had happened to me. And it really brought down the tone to every relationship and every encounter that I found myself in. And often you can get lured into the need to explain and validate your struggles so that others can understand. If we do this on repeat, you can imagine how suddenly much of our communication time becomes increasingly about our woes and our energy stays stuck in that mode. I found that when I decided to change my tactics, only speak of my hopes and my future visions and things that I would like to invite into my life, it was so amazing the ripple effect that it caused in the sense of something as simple as going to get a haircut instead of talking about all the negatives, you decide to focus on the things that you'd like to grow in your life and share that with your hairdresser. Suddenly that hairdresser knows someone that is exactly in that line of work or in that line of hobbies or in that zone of thought and you have caused a chain reaction and before you know it opportunities start to become more and more within your life. You become hooked up with people that you would never have been able to meet if you hadn't spoken of these intentions, of these thoughts, of these dreams, of these ambitions and of course that doesn't mean that it has to be huge dreams and ambitions. It can be something so simplistic. Energy attracts energy. And when I learned the importance of this, my whole life began to change. So in the words of Sadhguru, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a lousy chemical soup? Or do you want to be a great soup? <laughs> Thank you for listening to my waffleage, people. And I hope you join me next time, the last Saturday of each month at Sunny Govan Radio. You can also catch up by podcast online at serenitysister.co.uk.